This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Move the Chiefs, or excuse me, move the Raiders pregame huddle to the Chiefs logo. I wonder how many of his teammates in that moment knew that they had messed up. Like, cause you know, you ever have friends, Michael, like pull you into something, you know it's not a good idea, but you kind of got to go with That's it right. because, hey, we're a team. That's and right. if one of us go, That's we right. all go. Because even when Derek Carr and Marcus Mariota are jogging yeah. to the tunnel, I bet you Mariota's like, dog, that was not a good idea. No. This is not going to end well for us. And you know what? Here's the other thing. He ain't really, he don't know, he ain't a part of the tradition, Mike. I mean, what's he know about Chiefs Raiders? He's been a he's been a Jaguar. He's been a Raven. They knew they had <laughs> lost all 41 the 14 the first time. Here's the Chiefs hey. after this beatdown. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of conversation about it. I mean, but I mean, you definitely don't want people coming into your stadium and trying to like disrespect uh, things that that you've kind of built um, and so for us um, just gave us a little bit more a little bit more motivation to go out there and, and win against a really good football team that we have a rivalry against that usually is a, a tough a tough football game so uh, I think guys were ready to play today and I think it showed on the field it doesn't really move me um, I don't think champions you know really act in, in that manner um, so yeah, I don't. It don't even matter. Oh, I, bro, I didn't. I didn't uh, hear about the logo thing until after the game. But um, you know, that, that's pretty disrespectful, you know. Uh, but I'm glad we, you know, we jumped on them out the way we did. Michael, I've identified a theme for us, um, to, at least to start today's program, and uh, that's bad ideas. This will be a recurring theme yeah. throughout today's shows. Just bad ideas, uh, bad that's decisions. Good. Uh, former Raiders coach John can I, Gruden. Can I, can I contribute? I think you are. Oh, well, I, not only do I expect you to do that, but I think you'll <laughs> notice that a lot of those bad ideas um, uh, will gravitate toward my side of the screen. So okay. have fun reminding me that at one point in time I co signed some of these bad ideas. But anyway. Okay. Uh, All right. Former. Former Raiders coach John Gruden uh, had the bad idea of taking a victory lap after the Raiders beat the Chiefs last year at Arrowhead. So it wasn't like the Chiefs didn't have it on their mind coming into this game. And it wasn't like the Chiefs didn't put it on the Raiders the first time they met a couple of weeks ago, 41 to 14, I believe. And did you know, Michael, that in the storied history of this rivalry, yesterday's 48 to 9 curve stomping was the largest margin of victory in the history of Chiefs Raiders, the longest story history of Chiefs Raiders. Yeah, that blew my mind. That's amazing. That blew my mind. Yeah. But as I'm sitting here trying to unpack this decision, and, and I'm never one to overstate or overrate the importance of bulletin yeah. board material or, you know, pregame antics. Like, nobody remembers what happened before the game. Uh, and because nine out of ten times it doesn't really play out accordingly. Like we try to create this narrative about disrespect and 
and motivation and fuel and half the time it matters not when it's all said and done. But this <laughs> right here though. This right here. It's like Giannis. Watch Mac. It's so watch many Mac things Crosby. Crosby. Watch Crosby. What did like, okay. what did Yannick Ngakwe say that did not resonate once the game was kicked off? And here's what I mean. Here's what puzzles me. And tell me if I if maybe I'm just so it's been a while since I played football. I ain't played since high school. Obviously, I never played the NFL. But yeah. shouldn't the team that decides that whatever is being said pregame can only be said for maximum effect at the midfield logo? Shouldn't that team come right. out more fired up than the other team? Like you yeah, would think yeah, right, that that right, team right, right, right. would have the exactly. edge when it comes to energy, not the team on whose logo a pregame speech was delivered. So I'm just trying to figure out what fell flat pregame to where it was over after Josh Jacobs fumble was returned for a touchdown and the Chiefs never looked back to the turn to the tune of 35 to nothing at halftime. Like you want to talk I mean, about their first miss. play. Their first play. <laughs> I mean, essentially, you weren't in it. Uh, you know, they returned it 23 yards for a touchdown and, and it's on. I mean, look at some of this stuff. They were having a good time uh, at the at the Raiders expense. Even Josh Gordon uh, got a touchdown there. His first touchdown as a Kansas City Chief. Everything was well. Patrick Mahomes looked like old Patrick Mahomes. But you know, I, I, can I answer your question? I'll attempt to answer your question. I, I alluded to it when we were showing the the video of of the uh, Raiders going there, their ill-advised decision to go there and have a pregame meeting at the at the logo. Hey, hey, meet me at the logo. Hey, everybody. <laughs> can you imagine somebody saying, where, where are we going? We going right. to a logo? We going to a logo? <laughs> okay. We going to a logo? Because I, I, right, I, I, I take the Chiefs at their word. I don't think the Chiefs needed any more motivation beyond playing the Raiders or beyond what Gruden pulled last year. I'm more looking at this from the standpoint of, like, how come all of the Raiders' bravado Dude, and is, fire was at the, was, was pregame? Like, like, what happened after this, this where just none of it translated? But what, you'll say you answering the question. My, attempted to answer my question about what what fell flat from here. I, I am. Yeah, I'm going to answer your question. I'm going to attempt to answer the question. It's not the message; it's the messenger. Now I alluded to it when we were talking, when we were showing the video the first time. Yannick Ngakwe is, is is a little bit of a. He's become, a, you know, really terrific talent, but he's become a journey nomadic. Nomad, yeah. Uh, he, he 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 has. I mean, he's played for a lot of teams, so. To do this, you'd have to like if Derek Carr did this. First of all, Derek Carr wouldn't do it. But if Derek Carr did it, maybe there would be some context behind it. I mean, there's certain rivalries that are that are great in the NFL and they have a lot of history to them. And you got to know the history before you pull a stunt like that. This is not just like, hey, the, the Chiefs got a little winning streak going, and we we think like we we feel like we're a good team too. They're not better than us. They're not going to overwhelm us. We're going to go out there and we're going to take care of business. Um, This is Chiefs Raiders, one of the great rivalries in the history of the game. And and Mike, you know, you know, I've I've talked about this uh, project I did with Bill Cowher. Um, The book came out in in June and it, you know, there are a lot of great moments talking with Cowher, but one of the things that he kept coming back to, you know, Marty Schottenheimer, the late great Marty Schottenheimer was his mentor. And he said, Marty, when he coached the Chiefs, Marty would just like, he would, be, he would become tearful 
We're talking it's about the difference between the gleam, Chiefs. Man. Hey, like, we talk about the Lombardi Trophy. Hey, there's a gleam in the trophy and the whole thing. They never, his teams never really got that gleam. That's the only thing missing. The only hole in his very impressive Hall of Fame worthy resume. But one of the things he would do when talking about uh, the Raiders and Raiders week, he would just really point out the contrast. He'd get very emotional. This is a battle of good and evil. And he'd believe it like Al Davis and the Raiders. Yeah. They represent yeah. evil. We represent good. It's our responsibility to give our best against it. I mean, against the Raiders. He really was into it and admit and the players would respond and he really enjoyed regular season and they beat them in the postseason. Those were right. some of his his greatest moments. You got to bring that kind of energy and bring that kind of perspective. If you got to pull a stunt like that, unless someone say, and here's the other thing I'll say before I pass it back to you. Let someone say, come on, what's the big deal? This is one of the things I like about all professional sports that rivalries still exist. When rivalries exist, that gets me excited. Whether it's hockey, Canadians, Bruins, Yankees, Red Sox, Dodgers, Giants, uh, Raiders, Chiefs. I love those in Auburn, Alabama that you can have that type of passion at the professional level. Even with all the money involved in the game and people say these guys are mercenaries. They don't really care. I like that a small thing like the logo a meeting at the logo can spur these guys into I don't, but I don't think it did that. No, I look like again. You don't think I, it did? I don't think no. That's what that's my point. My my, my takeaway from that ill-advised decision is not that it further fired up the Chiefs. You know, as we heard a minute ago, some of them didn't even know about it. I mean, the fans certainly, know. you know. Yeah, but fans even were still, I, I think we overstate how much teams are disres. How much these are professional football players. You know, I mean, there, there may be some level of of added edge it gives you, but not enough to make a forty eight to nine difference in a game. This to me is more reflective. We'll talk about the Chiefs having revealed their true selves momentarily, but just I'll, I'll say this last thing about the Raiders. This is more reflective and exposes who the Raiders are not who maybe we got lulled into thinking or fooled into thinking that they might be when they started three and zero, and obviously yeah. they've had all kinds of crap going this year from John Gruden to Henry Ruggs, uh, you know, to uh, Arnett. Uh, you know, it's just it's just been one thing after another when it comes to this franchise this this year. But really, they don't have the guys to back up the tough talk. They they were tough talking tough to one another at the logo. This just goes to show that whether it's Mayock, Gruden. Mark Davis, whoever you want to point point the finger at, this roster just mm -hmm. don't they don't they're not about that life. They they can't walk it the way that they talk it. Pre and post game. We mentioned Derek Carr, friend of the show, Derek Carr says all the right things after every game, but they talk it a lot better than they walk it. Meanwhile, That's right. Kansas City, good luck trying to crack double Watch digits out. against against this team. And I'll give you props. You've been saying this for a while. I was a little more skeptical. It was a bad idea on my part. I didn't write them off, but I doubted them. Now, granted, this was my preseason pick to go back to the Super Bowl, given everything they did hold along the pick. offensive line in the offseason. Mike, Mike, you should remi be reminded. Hold the rope, Mike. Hold the rope. You should have been. Hey, that, that was good advice. You didn't take it. Hold the rope. I, on the I, I doubted whether they would actually find their way 
because what I never saw coming was a defense that the last three weeks has given up exactly nine points every week and an offense that has its moments specifically against the Raiders, but still doesn't quite look like Kansas City. You know what I mean? They, 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 they had some balance going yesterday. The running back got in on the action. Mahomes was efficient, did what he had to do. But Chiefs as a defensive juggernaut was certainly not something that I would have predicted at any point this year. Not earlier in the year when they had maybe the worst defense in the league, if, if I recall correctly. Yeah. Um, but I, I made the mistake, bad idea, of, of doubting whether the Chiefs would figure it out. Not only have they figured it out, I'll at least say that I gave myself some wiggle room. When I anointed the Patriots a few weeks back as the class of the conference, I did allow for Kansas City. Like, if, if there was one game to be played, I was like, yeah, yeah, I, right. I have a hard time picking against Mahomes, given what that offense is capable, capable of, and that defense the way that it's playing. Uh, at least I gave myself that out because right now Kansas City looks like it's headed back to the Super Bowl the way that defense is playing. You know what? In the defense, you'll like this. I'll, I'll tell you a story in a second. You being a draft, Nick, I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, and you know how I feel about safeties in general based on my uh, Madden history. <laughs> one of my great, one of my favorite all-time fictional players uh, was the safety that took it the first round? Anyway, we'll get there. What was his name again? What was his name? Mo Roberts. Mo Roberts. Mo Roberts. Yeah. Twelfth pick in the draft, Hall of Famer. Anyway, <laughs> but I would say to you, I'll say, if you look at all Memories. the great fun defenses times, fun times. throughout history, throughout history, you know, like, we always talk about. I guess a, a great face of a defense is like a a snarling perhaps toothless Jack Lambert middle linebacker as the face of, of a defense, whether it's a great defense, Jack Lambert, Ray Lewis, those kinds of, you know, Mike Singletary, that guy, that look, the crazy eyes for Mike Singletary. But I would say that if you look at all of the great defenses, if you find a great defense, I'm sure there's a great safety there. Somehow there's, there's a great free safety, great song, strong safety on that defense. Maybe a cerebral mm. guy, Who's also athletic, playmaking, all of that. I think all of the, all of them a quarter, have it. a quarterback in the secondary. Yeah. Quarterback, and so yeah. I'll, I'm going to get there in a second. I'm going to tell you why I, I brought that up. But just say overall, Steve Spagnolo, his defenses when he's got when he's got a talented. I think he is a defensive coordinator, uh, and, and and that's not a slight. He's a really talented defensive coordinator, head coach. I don't know about that, <laughs> but. If he can get his defense, give him some time with the defense, his defense, his defenses tend to do special things. And that's and it's been that way throughout his career. You can look at some of these uh, ferocious, really creative defenses. It's not like he just does one thing. He's able to adjust. He's able to figure out what the offense is doing and can shut it down. He knows his personnel very well. So props to him, props to his entire defense. But I want to point out, we both know Lionel Vital. Remember, you, you know Lionel Vital. Mm-hmm. Vital yeah. uh, scout has scouted for uh, for many yeah. teams. Scouted for the Jets, the the Patriots, uh, the Ravens. I happened to look the other day at a scouting report that Lionel Vital gave me about whatever ten years ago. Uh, about yeah, about uh, whenever he was drafted, right before he was drafted. Mm-hmm. 
The scout, and I, re I read that scouting report. I said, "Oh my!" I mean, he had it down. He was saying uh, uh, how this is a guy you'll look at him. He'll never be the biggest guy on your team. He'll never be the fastest guy on your yeah. team. But he's somebody you will follow. You feel like you'll draw off his energy. He's instinctive. He's always around the football. Uh, very smart. Uh, a leader. Your football team yeah. is better when he's on your side, and and that's exactly who he's been throughout his career, whether it's with the Cardinals or, or now with the Chiefs. The Chiefs are crazy. They don't sign this guy. Line. Sign him. Sign him. It was never between sign the him lines. Sign him long term. Even, we, I mean, his, his ability was obvious at LSU. It was never oh, yeah. between the lines right. with him. It was, yeah. all, it was only his quote-unquote off-the-field issues that, you know, got him uh, kicked out of LSU and uh, had him – uh, tumble uh, in the draft. So looking forward to seeing what the Chiefs do down the stretch because short week turnaround at the Chargers uh, with the division on the line. Remember the Chargers won the first one yeah. at home against Pittsburgh day after Christmas and then at Cincinnati and at Denver to end the season. So wow. Imagine imagine them not only running the table, but having their fingerprints all over the playoff picture uh, in the AFC. This is not only going to be a team. Those are some tough games. You know, I, I hate all it when people tough, say. I, I, one of the oh no, they are, but but all winnable at this point. I, I, I would take Kansas City in all of those games, including uh, at Los Angeles on Thursday night. The way the defense is playing, in particular, I, one of the many cliches I hate is that's a team that nobody wants to play. Well, if they're in the playoffs, it stands to reason that they're probably good. You know, teams that backed in, notwithstanding, but they're probably good if they're in the playoffs. Number one, number two, I want to play who's ever in the playoffs because that means that I'm in the playoffs. So yes, I want to play them. You know, like nobody wants to play them. I'm like, okay, well, we, we ain't scared. However, the Chiefs right. are that team right now that just that, that that seems to be putting it all together, peaking at the right time, with still room for improvement. And if they get battle tested with this remaining schedule, and who knows, maybe end up with the top seed in the AFC. My preseason Super Bowl prediction of another uh, Bucks Chiefs uh, Super Bowl may not look so bad after all. Um, I talked about bad ideas. My idea is we take a break right now because I think we're gonna need a lot of time to get into the oh, other yeah. bad idea that oh, looks awful. Oh yes, looks worse. I know what you're gonna uh, say. I know what you're gonna okay. say. Oh, I can't. Well, wait. I'm not gonna have a whole lot to, to say because I, I should have shut up and listened you don't? before. There's a lot to say. There's a lot to say. Well, about I'm saying the because I because I should have shut up and listened to before. So unlike the Raiders doing the victory lap and then the logo speech, I don't want to double down on the error of my ways uh, when it comes to uh, this next topic that we'll get into on the other side. Okay, I don't want to no no spoilers, but I know where you're I think going. You know what it is. You know what it is. Oh, I know what. Oh, I know what it is. I I I know what it is. I just don't want to spoil it for our. Audience listening on Sirius XM channel 85 and YouTube and Peacock TV. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. What's the answer? 
uh, start leaking information or some nonsense? No. No, that's nonsense. That's garbage. That's, uh, you know, that's once again, I've been very blessed. I've not really dealt with that. I've, I've not dealt with, well, did you hear what he said? What? No. Let's improve on offense and get our quarterback in a position to be successful. That's our focus. What someone's brother said or someone said someone said, that will, that will occupy very little of my time. And if, if there is a source, that source is unemployed. I mean, within seconds. You know, um, somebody whose name I loathe to say a lot these days, uh, even though probably haven't heard the last, well, we, we know we haven't heard the last of him, and he's probably going to be a factor in the next presidential election, but Donald Trump. Like, yes. Urban Meyer reminded me a lot of Donald Trump when he seemed more obsessed with the leaks than the issues at hand. You know, it's more like, okay. hey, you know, we got we got to get rid of these leakers. We got to get rid of these people. We'll put wait. What about the what about the actual information here? Like the culture, it's not about the leaks. It's about the fact that you you spring you got yeah. holes. Like you got holes in your roster, holes in your staff, holes in your overall philosophy about how to create a so-called winning culture. Look, man, I'll get to it quick, and you and you can get on with the I told you so's. Because I know they're coming. No, I, I'm, I'm not going to get to this. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm no, not you should. I'm no, not you should. No, you should. No, you should. You should. No, you should. You should. I, 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 I implore you. Uh, to, I'm, enjoy, to, to, no, to I'm enjoying. I'm enjoying listening to you and Urban Meyer. I wanna, I, but I'm enjoying listening to you on oh, this. Oh, so, so, ahead, so, the, so, the, I, so this is in lieu of the I told you so's. Me, okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, go ahead. Take it. Take your time. I don't care how Mike. much. I don't care how much money. Yeah, we got Shai Khan. Time. Take your time. Owes Urban Meyer. I don't care how much money he owes Urban Meyer. He owes it to Trevor Lawrence. He owes it to himself to nip this thing in the bud. He should already have fired Urban Meyer by now. I know they met yesterday, I believe, after the game. He should have fired Urban Meyer by now and started his next coaching search. Whether this is about pride or the paycheck, uh, maybe they haven't found cause for which to fire him. Maybe staying behind when the team went back from Cincinnati and getting caught um, in photographs with a woman that's not your wife at, a, at, at your restaurant or the bar or whatever it was, maybe that wasn't enough to fire for a cause and therefore uh, lay claim to the money he's owed on his contract. But this one, you just got to eat, man. You just got to own this mistake and you just got to eat it. Because the longer you let this dude stick around, the harder it's going to be to fix it on the back end. The more likely you're going to ruin Trevor Lawrence. Like, you, you, you got your generational quarterback prospect who looks awful right now, who, who doesn't yeah. look capable of transcending his surroundings. Um, yeah, I don't know who in, it, who in his right mind would want to work for Urban Meyer. Um, and I'll tell you what else. Urban Meyer has so little credibility, so I don't believe a damn thing he says. So he could deny right. to Jay Glazer all he wants, that he that he called his assistants losers. I believe the reporting 100%. Yeah, uh, he can yeah. deny it all he wants because Urban Meyer's track record says that he's a liar. When has he ever been truthful? When it matters. And I'll tell you, and, and I'll say there's one other thing, and then I'm done for now. Yo, okay, all right. I fully believe that Urban Meyer would have would have taken a college job if somebody would actually wanted him. Because him saying. I'm not going to be the head coach at Notre Dame 
or I'm not interested in a college job. That presumes that a college job was interested in him. Go ahead. Because you can't. That's like, right. You can't hire. You, you preach can't it. hire Urban Meyer right now. Who? What? Right. Just like what assistant coach right. would want to work for Urban Meyer? Exactly. What athletic director thinks that hiring Urban Meyer is a win for your program right now? So if the right job were open for Urban Meyer or interested in Urban Meyer, he'd have jumped ship. Meanwhile, the ship be sinking and Shah Khan got to throw this dude overboard. Like yesterday. The ship be sinking. The ship be sinking. Well, Michael Ray Richardson once said, and, and the, the best part of that quote, the follow-up, you know the, you know the follow-up to this? The reporter asked him, how bad is it, Michael Ray? He said, the ship be sinking. And he said, how low will it go, Michael Ray? You know what Michael Ray said? The sky's the limit. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> the sky's the limit. Other oh, ships sinking. I love it. Anyway, look, look I, I, I'm going to appreciate you because you did something. You did something and you have something that Urban Meyer doesn't have. And that's called humility. So you admitted that you got it wrong. Urban Meyer hasn't been wrong yet. And the one thing I'll say since I'll just make it, I'll make it three. Two makes it three. So Urban Meyer won't admit, admit he's wrong. Michael Smith admits he's wrong. I'm going to tell you where I was wrong in this. You know where I was wrong? I said Urban Meyer is a college guy. I put it there. Collegiate legend. Legend. Past. He's not a college. He's not even a college coach. Not big time. Not the way the college game is going right now. The college game that he left is is a thing of the past. Now, Mm. College Transfer athletes windows have and the, NIL. Yeah, name, yeah. yeah, that's right. NILs yeah. and uh, the, the transfer power is all they got more power than transfer portal is always full. It's yeah. always full. Yeah. That that waiting room yeah. has a ton of people in game. it. And they're going game. from not only are coaches going from big time programs to big time programs, these college kids are going from big time programs to other big time programs. I'm not getting what I want. Uh, I, I'm, I'm one year in. That's all right. I'll go somewhere else. And so Urban Meyer is used to an environment in college where he is the czar and everybody will bend to his will. That's why he's no longer in the college game. He thought he could do that at Ohio State. They gave him one more courtesy. It's a little too late to fire you, bruh. So we'll give you one more year, then you're out. That was that was the college game he left. No one really is going to do that for you anymore where you can just come in and do whatever you want. You can't. Maybe Nick Saban can. Maybe Brian Kelly can right now. These guys, Lincoln Riley. Uh, but the list is pretty small, and he's no longer on the list. Now let's bring it to the pros. In the pros, he still hasn't made the adjustment. If you listen to, if you watch his actions and listen to his press conferences, Michael, you'll hear you'll hear these, these, these little remarks that let you understand it. He doesn't quite get it yet. In the beginning of the season, when he talked about when they hadn't won a game yet, he said, I'm usually, I'm usually not wrong about these things. I'm usually not wrong. My teams, I usually have a good understanding of what a good football team is. And, and I don't know, there are a lot of wins in that locker room. One, you've never been a pro coach before. So what you are used to uh, doesn't really apply in this situation. Two, uh, it's not about you. This is not about you. The program is not about Urban Meyer. It's about building the Jacksonville Jaguars into a competitive team. I'm sure he did call out his his uh, assistant coaches and call them losers, but you can't operate that way. You can't be the guy who gets all of the credit 
and, and runs the entire program because you'll lose them. Your, your assistant coaches have to have some yeah. kind of power, some kind of autonomy, some away from you, and they've got to be, they've got to have but some confidence that you're, you're, that they are a part of building this thing together. He is, his approach is dead. It's dead. Well, it doesn't work but when with was coaches. It ever, and it doesn't work when with When was players. it ever alive though? But, but, but where does that fly? Like that's, that form of leadership isn't healthy on any level. Like even if you were in college and telling and berating his assistant, saying in old college you could, old college you could get away with it. But I, you, I, I, well, old, I mean, like maybe, five okay, years, put five, it this way: maybe he got away with it, but I don't know any effective leader that says it's not, it's not, it's not me, it's you. In any in any <laughs> setting, right. in, in any setting. You know, so right maybe right. maybe he managed right. to overcome his shortcomings. For maybe because he just had more talent than everybody. I don't know. But if that's how he's used to talking to his assistants, it's a wonder he's had the success that he's had to this point, albeit on a college level. Michael, let's go back to my humility for a second, and I'll tell you what I got wrong about this. I think it wasn't so much that I did not listen, I I, I'm, I know Urban Meyer's background. We know about his missteps toward the end at Ohio State. We know who he is. It wasn't that I ever disagree with you that Urban Meyer uh, wasn't a questionable fit at the NFL level. I think my mistake, and, and it's and it, it, talking to me for two hours a day, five days a week for the last year plus, you should know this by now. I think where I, where I err is I tend to give people the benefit of the doubt more than I should. I tend mm. to give people a chance mm. um, when it comes to changing who they are. I thought Urban Meyer would adapt. I thought he was intelligent enough to adapt mm -hmm. and say, okay, I don't have all the answers here. I know what I don't know. Let me surround myself with people who have done it at this level or do know more about it or, or, or let me adapt to coaching NFL players. Anytime your quarterback has got to get involved with the running back rotation, anytime right. one of your best offensive wow. players is confused about why he's not in the game or worse why he's in the game at the end of a blowout having been benched by you or the running backs coach and quarterbacks got to like I just I guess I'm calling him out too. How about the way he called I guess out I just thought, Hey, don't ask me ask I, him. <laughs> yeah, I, I, and it's not the first if, tell me what urban Meyer has done right this year. I'll wait. That's a rhetorical question because I don't think you can come up with anything because I can't think of I can't think of a, a win outside of the two he's managed against the Dolphins, which looks crazy in hindsight, and against the Bills, which looks even crazy, although the Bills haven't been great. I, I'm trying to figure out what he's done right from a culture standpoint that would make Shah Khan sit back and honestly say, pride aside, paycheck that he's owed aside, he'll figure this out. And that's what I thought. I thought Urban Meyer would figure it out. Michael, you know, yesterday was the first time the Jaguars, the Jaguars, have been shut out since 2004. Yeah, all the coaches Shai Khan has gone through. This is the first time he's experienced a shutout. Who knew? So that, yeah. that was my mistake. It's, it's thinking that Urban Meyer was smart enough to know that he knows not. You know, this situation, uh, I, I remember um, uh, Bill Polian telling a story about Peyton Manning and and how before they got Peyton Manning, they brought in Peyton Manning uh, they were ready to talk to him. Peyton Manning came in. He and this won't yeah. surprise anybody. 
He had his legal pad and he had a bunch of questions. He's interviewing. He has scouted the organization. Yeah. And and by the way, this is the best way. If you're doing a job uh, in an interview, let that interview be a conversation, a two way conversation where you are talking to them as much as they're talking to you. You're asking questions and they are too in a respectful way. There's a fine line of doing it without coming off uh, like a know it all. But Peyton Manning had a lot of questions about the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, obviously, uh, his family had questions too. They're very uh, media savvy and uh, uh, NFL savvy family. And despite all those questions, we remember who his first coach was. Didn't work out. First coach was mm-hmm. Jim Moore, playoffs, the whole thing. And they got it right yep. the second time around. Even with the generational talent like Peyton Manning, you got, you got this star quarterback, this Hall of Famer in place, but it was not the right fit. And I think. Uh, I, I would love uh, Peyton Manning on that Manning cast. Why not bring on Trevor Lawrence? You do it, do your public conversation, and then privately talk to Trevor Lawrence about your experiences as a rookie with the Colts, and maybe he could draw something from it. Because I, I still think Mike, I think he's the best quarterback in this draft class. I know what Mac Jones is doing right in my backyard. I saw what Justin Fields, the good and bad, and, and the ugly from Justin Fields last night. He's got a lot of ability. Yeah, but, that other guys. but you know that don't matter. It don't matter. I think Trevor NFL Lawrence history is, is littered with guys. I know. I know. But I think he's I still, you know, I think he is that I think he is. I think he's the best of this class and I think he needs a, a coach, not necessarily who will do whatever he says, but somebody who will partner with him. Somebody who's who's not in there saying it's all being at minimum. Just, saying, just get out the it's way. It's all about me. <laughs> yes, at minimum. Yes. Just get out the way and not, and not him in Trevor Lawrence. Progress. Trevor Lawrence deserves it. I'd say who else deserves it? Maybe uh, whether he realizes it or not. Shah Khan. From my understanding, Shah Khan, good guy to work for. You know, uh, he is not overbearing. He wants people to be in positions to do their jobs well. Uh, he's not stingy. You know, we'll, we'll open up the uh, open up the, the trove, the, the treasure trove, and, and let you go ahead and do what you need to do. He got it wrong. Probably not the first speaking time in his business it, career. He got well, it wrong. Speaking of getting it wrong, Doodle. speaking of getting it wrong, a little more dose of humility for me. Um, I think apparently the Jaguars in 2009 lost 41 nothing at Seattle, so I overlooked that in terms of okay. So shut, it was shut up. It hasn't been so Mike. It hasn't been 17 years. It's been a dozen years. <laughs> they haven't yeah, shut out. It's been, out a, a, it's been a while. It's been a while. Uh, so I think I, I think I read that somewhere. And sorry, I got passed along bad information. My bad. Um, bottom line is. Uh, I, I just don't see what Shah Khan could look at and say, there's hope here. There's there's light at the end of this tunnel. I don't know what about this nope. process he can trust. And while I'm in a, 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 mu, uh, a, a mood, excuse me, to take uh, take some lumps. Um, oh, before you go, look, man, oh, before I, you take that next lump, before you take that sure. next lump. Yeah, one more thing. Can, can we go back the way even the way Urban Meyer handled the quarterback competition between oh. Gardner Minshew and Trevor Lawrence, he got that wrong too. He even got right, that wrong. Oh, oh, the list is long. It's so long. Again, wait, Mike. That's a easy. I, I, I was, that's a layup. I was. There's a layup. I was right more there. on point. I was more on point than I even realized with the Trump comparison. Okay, like remember what certain point where Trump you start to forget shit. He was like, oh my God, I forgot about that. And that was just last week. It's like, oh, I just, I was, sorry, I was on to the next thing. 
Like yeah. Urban Meyer is like, oh my God, I forgot about that. that yeah, it's because it's just such a, a cascade of, 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 of errors. Uh, I thought you were going to say his even how he looks when he's shaking hands with the opposing coach. Not that he should be jumping for joy at getting shut out, but like he just looked so miserable shaking hands with Mike Vrabel, you know, at, at midfield yesterday. It's like, damn, man, like just put everybody out of their collective misery. But I, I mean, maybe we can make this quick. Maybe not. Depends on how hard you want to go. Um, okay. Yeah, that's uh. Oh, here we go. Look at her. Just looks completely out of sorts. Like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not expecting a yeah, hug. Whatever. You're like whatever. But just whatever. felt so. Yeah. It just feels. He feels so disinterested. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I've been invested and interested in the Cincinnati Bengals. And when they were coming back yesterday yeah. from down 20 to 6 against the Niners, man, I was oh, I was feeling good. When Jamar Chase was doing this thing, when they went to overtime, when Robbie Gold missed that field goal, I was like, oh, man. I was like, you know what? This is setting, setting up good for you, boy. But George Kittle, I don't think this is a Bengals story, Michael. For me and you, it may be a Bengals story. It may be a Bengals story. No, no. All right? It is still – listen – it is still, it's not the same old Bengals. And the way they rallied from that deficit yesterday That's shows true. that. That is and true. They're, thank you. And they, look, and they may end up 9-8 and eight when it's all said and done. Or 8-9 and as the case may be. Because they got Denver on Sunday at Denver. Then they got the Ravens. We'll see about Lamar, the Chiefs, and the Browns. So who knows how they finish. They may, they may regress to yeah. their usual sub 500 finish before it's all said and done. And you might be right before it's all said and done. But today, Michael, for me, this is, I, I come to bring praise uh, and, and, and bring, give flowers to one George Kittle. Um, the best tight end in football uh, when, you, when you talk about what he does in the receiving game and in the blocking game. We know what a monster he is blocking-wise. Dude had 13 catches yesterday. The last two weeks, homie got 332 receiving yards. Mm. At tight end, he's got 332 receiving yards the last two weeks. Like, I mean, when's the last time you've seen a tight end carry an offense? You know, the way this dude is doing. I mean, Ooh. Travis Kelsey not does passes. his thing. Okay, these that, Travis that's Kelsey a, that's does a, his thing. Come on. We know Gronk is the GOAT of all time, but right now, I don't yeah. know that you can tell me that there's a better guy playing a position both in the run game and the pass game than Travis uh, than, than George Kittle is. Yesterday was about George Kittle not being denied um, more than it was about the Bengals bangling, even though I know you took great pleasure in yeah. seeing them come up short again. They're not out I of it, though. They're, not, they're in the hunt. They're, they're, in, they're in that proverbial in the hunt column. They are. They're in the <laughs> hunt. Everybody, look, everybody's in the hunt. Everybody's in the hunt in the AFC North. Okay, everybody's there. The division... Uh, the, the Cleveland could win it. Pittsburgh still strangely could win it. Uh, we weren't we weren't on the air uh, after that game, that Minnesota game, which was insane. Up up twenty nine nothing. The Vikings and you were right because yeah. when the Vikings were up twenty nine nothing, I said, "Hey, Mike, Mike said earlier today that it's gonna come. It's gonna be close because that's what the Vikings do. <laughs> this one's not gonna be close. Yes, it was. The Bengals are not the same old Bengals." This was a terrific game, and they will figure it out. They won't figure it out this year. Maybe they'll figure out how to win. That's all they're missing. It's here. It's here. It's not It's not the payroll. It's not the history. It's not the heart. It's just learning how to win these kinds of games. Okay? 
Is that progress? Did I just make progress right there? Uh, uh, major. Major. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. like kind of a, a playoff push like I know you guys have talked uh, like the Packers game seemed almost like a playoff yes. game does this have that same kind of that's feeling? how I'm taking it. I feel like it's a playoff game so that's how we got to take it that's the mindset and, we, and you know we got to win you know we got to win so all right um the Rams looking to avoid the sweep at Arizona tonight uh, they're gonna have to do it without Jalen Ramsey and Tyler Higby, who are being placed on the COVID-19 reserve list, Michael Holland. Yeah, uh, they're going to have to do it without those guys. But larger, larger point, Mike Smith, Charles Robinson. Larger point is this is an opportunity for the Rams, even without their the, uh, couple of star players. This is an opportunity for the Rams to prove that yes, they do belong in this conversation. It's not too late. It's mid-December. We know the Super Bowls at SoFi, and last year, the Buccaneers, nobody was talking about them as Super Bowl favorites in mid-December. Then they went on a run, and we know what happened. Charles, do you think the same thing is possible for these Rams who have looked less than super most of the year? Um... Yeah, I do. I, I still think, though, that it's a team that has not quite figured out what it wants its identity to be. I, they wanted to be balanced coming into this season. Cam Akers goes down, and I think they felt like, okay, well, this kind of ruins our plan to be balanced. Now, that said, if if the running backs, you know, Sony Michelle's healthy, if Henderson's healthy, they've got guys um, that I think they can – balance that offense out a little more so it's not just the Matt Stafford show we have we have a multitude of teams right now where it feels like the quarterback is functionally the entire offense you know Lamar Jackson in in uh in Baltimore you have Josh Allen in, in Buffalo and in a way you have Matt Stafford in in LA and it has led to problems for all three of those programs when everything is tilted so much onto the quarterback um I think you're right. This is this is a period. This is a game where, as Aaron Donald says, it's like a playoff game, and that makes me think two things. Number one, we're going to get look. We're going to get a look at the playoff game where COVID affects it, because Tyler Higby, as as Michael Smith said, won't be there. Jalen Ramsey won't be there. Um, I'm, I'm I was just told actually as the show was starting, they're, they're calling up practice squad tight end as we speak. Um, throwing them on the plane to, to, you know, they need a tight end basically. So they're going to have to pull a practice squad tight end. Um, so there, there's that one aspect. And then the other aspect of uh, are they good enough? Are they strong enough mentally to fight through this kind of adversity? They're talented enough. If everyone's healthy and people aren't on COVID and um, I don't think there's any question that defensively they've got the talent to, to, be a contender in the NFC, but I still think there are balance issues there. And when I look out at the rest of the NFC, I green Bay is a better team right now than they are. Uh, 
Tampa Bay is a better team right now than they are. Uh, Arizona is a better team right now than they are. You can prove it tonight, but you got to prove it. So all, all those other three teams that I just mentioned, by the way, have proven it now down the stretch that they should be considered the three elite teams in the NFC. Yeah, I, I got enough of a losing streak going to Michael. You ain't got to worry about me making no grand proclamations about the Rams going into tonight. I like Arizona <laughs> uh, over in the AFC. Charles, I'm not sure because the AFC obviously the NFC has been kind of like this very top heavy as you just laid out, but the AFC it feels like more so than the NFC this year. It's been week to week in terms of who the best team is. I'm not sure at what point if at all uh, you began to question Kansas City's place in that pantheon. But right about now, they look like they're in playoff form. Um, right. I told you, I was telling Michael earlier, I hate the cliche, uh, the team that nobody wants to play because they're in the playoffs. Everybody's probably good with a few exceptions. Not to mention, if you're playing, and that means you're in the playoffs. So, yeah, you want to play them because you want to be in the playoffs. So, I just hate that clip. But, however, given what they're doing defensively, right? Kansas City might be that team. They might be the scariest team in pro football, given what they're doing defensively and what they can do offensively. If you are going to pick the team that is ramping it up defensively the way a la Tampa Bay in 2020, it's actually the Chiefs. That's what the Chiefs are doing right now. If you've paid attention to what's happening with, with the Chiefs during this turnaround, it is a defensive turnaround. Even the game against the Raiders, people are going to look at that and they're going, wow, it's a total blowout. Halftime, they'd housed them, all this stuff. That's true. But they did it in a couple of different ways. Number one, they were balanced. You're seeing contributions in the running game. Um, you're seeing Patrick Mahomes. He had a, I think, what, he was 20 for 24. I think that was his line. Um, but there were times when you watched him where he, he wasn't trying to do too much. He was playing within himself. Um, Josh Gordon got, you know, finally worked into the offense. But then I think defensively, that's what's really impressive. You don't have any more of these clips of Tran Matthew holding his hands up going, you know, what just happened on that play. They're not blowing plays, uh, blowing assignments in the secondary. They've gotten more healthy. Um, the front end of that defense that I questioned whether uh, they could, I guess, get back to the table. Once Chris Jones went back inside, you know, Frank Clark started to show up again. They just completely Melvin changed. Uh, yeah, Melvin Ingram, adding Melvin Ingram, obviously was able to allow them to sort of reshuffle that deck in the front and get guys back into the spots where they felt like they were, they were, at their peak. Um, so I think I think it's the the defensive story out of Kansas City. And I still think people are going to look at that Raiders game and think, oh, the offense is back. I don't know if that's right yet. I think they're still getting there offensively, um, you know, but I think it's a better story right now for them defensively that they're cranking it up because I think the offense has a has a shorter bridge to cross than that defense did at mid season. Well, speaking All of right, thinking, got, I just like want to know yeah, we were talking about it. What would a it ain't about motivating the Chiefs? What the hell were the Raiders thinking? Like, and, the, and why the logo? Thing? Why would you go know, to the man. logo and then um, not follow it up with a more inspired performance? Like, what? I just want to know what felt flat in that huddle that they were like, "Yeah, that's nice," and then just went and got the ass kicked. Yeah, what, is, what are the by, Raiders missing in a question? I mean, by halftime, they had been blown off the surface of the planet. I mean, it was the the. Uh, you just don't go to the logo. I I don't know if this was like, hey, we circled the bus last time when we were here and we won the game. <laughs> I bet you so somebody in of... that group, Charles, somebody in that group is like, no, nah, this ain't a good idea, man. Like, yeah, <laughs> like, like, do we yeah. have to? <laughs> yeah, this is uh, this is the 
there will be the hunt for whose whose idea. Well, there you go. I mean, he got he got somebody yeah, calling. Yeah. This is this is the it was it was this is the you know I grew up as a Pistons fan. It was always who organized the walk off against the Bulls, and it took us. 20 years yeah. before Bill Ambeer was like, yeah, actually, that was me. That was my bad idea. No, this is, this is like, when keeping it real goes wrong. This is a, That's when keeping it real goes wrong right there. They knew in that moment that they had messed up. Yeah, yeah. They, they figured so, it out pretty quickly. So, Charles, you have to pick one, that, that exercise. Pick one. We got three in the AFC. We got the Chiefs. We got the Patriots. We got the Titans. Pick one of those teams to roll with for the rest of the year all the way to L.A. Who is it? Do we just talk about them, or, or is it one of the other two? I, I'm feeling really good about the Chiefs. I, I am. I, here's the thing about about New England. Um, I've kind of gotten into argues, arguments with people on Twitter about this. Is that um, as much as I like New England? Of course England, you have. They're Patriots <laughs> fans, right? Of course you. Yeah, of course, course you've gotten into arguments fans. on Twitter. I, I've I've tried to make the point that you know at some point Mac Jones is going to have to throw 40 passes in a playoff game. And everyone's like, he's already thrown 40 passes this season, and I'm like, listen. You're you're the you're you've had 20 years of of understanding how the postseason is a different animal. You should know better than any other fan base that just because a guy did it, particularly a rookie, did it during the course of a regular season, a you're going to come up against teams that are much sharper, better, more talented, uh, more prepared, better coached. You're going to play it in a tougher uh, a tougher climate. Even if it is in Gillette, it's still going to be a different climate than it was in October or November or even December. Um, and, and I don't know yet if I, I simply don't have the data to show me that Mac Jones is ready to handle that. And he's been ready to handle a lot. I'll give that to him. He's, you know, the offensive rookie of the year. I'll give that to him. But I don't. The, if you're asking me, judge them against the Chiefs. The Chiefs are filled, filled with guys who have done it. OK, they're filled with veteran players. They're filled with playoff tested players. And oh, by the way, a head coaching staff, a coach and, and, a, and a, you know, ancillary coaching staff that also has all that experience as well. That's not to say, obviously it's Bill Belichick in, in new England, but um, I just, I, there's no comparison to me from the experience standpoint and the, who do you trust standpoint that I'm going to continue to lean in, into the chiefs. And I think if we went back and looked at how we talked about the chiefs, even at the lowest points during the season, we were still kind of like, let's see, let's see like, okay, it's not going well. Yes, but I mean, is it is what we are we sure that we're just seeing this team fall apart that has been so immaculate for a number of years, or are they just running yeah. into a situation where a lot of things are going wrong? Let's let this play itself out. And I think I even invoked Tampa Bay when we would talk about that, where I was like, hey, last year there were times I'm looking at the Bucks saying, I don't know what to think about this team, and I don't think they're going to get there. And then what did they do? They showed that they were able to pull it pull it together. So, um, if you know why? Why not feel, especially in this season again? Like why? It's fine. Let the Chiefs go ahead and come back into that conversation at the top, and yeah. you know, get back to where they were. Early in the win streak, um, they knocked off Green Bay, absent um, Aaron Rodgers, of course, when he was out with COVID. Uh, now COVID is the least of Aaron Rodgers' concerns. COVID and his honesty or lack thereof. Uh, the least of the Packers concerns when it comes to Aaron Rodgers. Um, how much of a concern up in Green Bay is his toe, which uh, he said yesterday suffered a setback? 
it's it's I don't know. I mean, I guess it's it didn't all look like it bothered. Him. <laughs> it didn't look like it bothered him, and and you know, it's what I think what bothers me about it is like Matt Lafleur is like I don't know. I, I like I guess what Aaron tells me is this or that or. Um, I guess in, until I see it on the field, you know, where where it's something where it's clear that there's an issue. It's like watching Josh Allen yesterday down the stretch. You're like, wow, yeah, you know, even though he's lighting it up and yeah. he's brought them back in the game, he clearly is suffering. I'm watching him and you can see there's an issue. It's like Russ, Russ coming off of the hand injury. It's like Joe Burrow at times, you know, um, a week ago coming, you know, trying to work his way through that hand injury. You could see all those on the field. Rodgers... I'm not seeing it. I'm seeing a guy who's who's playing at an MVP level, and if he if even if he says he suffered a setback, you know, and that means less practice reps for him or whatever, I think he's been fine with that. So in, until it pops up on a Sunday, I don't know if it's just a management issue or whatnot, but you know, he's handling it the way he wants to handle it. He says he says no surgery. You kind of yeah. you have to yield to that. If he's saying no surgery, I don't want to do that, then. You just lean into it and you let him manage it the way he wants to manage it. And real Man. quick, speaking of hey, bad ideas, we uh, we, we would say. be remiss if we did not mention uh, Robert Quinn for some strange reason. And I, I don't know, just maybe he does this all the time. I don't pay attention enough to Robert Quinn sack celebrations, but for some strange reason, deciding to mock the discount double check championship belt. <laughs> uh, yeah, at the beginning of the game <laughs> against your against your team owner. I, I, I look, oh. I know, I mean, okay, you know that just. That, that, as Devontae Adams said, nah. when does that ever work out well? They nah. just need to go ahead and, and hyphenate Rogers' nameplate every time he plays the Bears. It'll be Rogers hyphen Hallis hyphen McCaskey. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think he's part of the fam. He's part of the Bears fam at this point. Yeah. Hey, Mike, De- Della Reese was just fine after her toe injury. Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers be all right, man. It, it, it's That's cool. true. That's true. Not a problem. She did survive. She did survive. Uh, another guy that's been uh, beat up quite a bit is uh, is Baker. We thought that the drama was out was shipped off to L.A. Now Baker is talking about them getting conservative, and there's some investigations, yeah. and I'm seeing some articles written about like, wait a second, is it really all good in Cleveland? Even though the, the Browns are still in the hunt, they survived against Baltimore. A lot of uh, you know, going back to Eddie Murphy, Michael Holly, a lot of innuendo. <laughs> like in you window about uh, be, you know being being shared uh, as it relates to the relationship between him and Kevin Stefanski. What can you tell us? Uh, they like to pop off about <laughs> the people lead. First, it's Miles Garrett saying we don't make adjustments on the sideline, and then it's Baker saying we're we're we get too conservative. He's talking about Kevin Stefanski. Okay, so yeah, that's that's refocusing. Okay, so here's the thing with Baker. And this is, I think, honestly, to me, this is what the fundamental problem is right now. I think he does not like the framing about the injuries, okay? I think he and Baker's camp definitely wanted out there that, hey, the problems he has had this season, the struggles, and remember, they're trying to get to a point where they can negotiate a contract extension there, are about the injuries. It's about the physical nature of it. Whereas the team very clearly has been suggestive in its messaging that yes he is he has injuries however those are are not to the point where they should affect the performance to the level and the decision making to the level that it has i think that is upset baker and i think that is upset baker's camp and i think conversely the browns are sitting there going hey man this is leadership time what are you going to do are you going to you know is your camp and are you going to keep going out there and trying to blame mistakes on on injuries 
or are we just going to batten down the hatches? And that way we don't have to do any of the messaging about what's wrong or what's not. Let's just work hard and get through this. I think that's a fundamental you know, problem that's happening there right now. And then all this stuff, I saw what Mary Kay Cabot had written about the sort of the in-house media and, and, and their assessment of Baker. And that's a whole, you know, that's a lot of messy stuff there. Um, it's not, this is not great. And I think it's heading down a, a path of Baker sitting there saying, do I trust this team to protect me? Do I trust them to protect me in the media? Do I trust them to um, be honest about things the way I want them to, to, to put the information out there? And I think the team is looking at Baker and going, is he going to be a leader or not? Like, like what are we going to do here? Like, is, this, is he going to take ownership for mistakes or is he going to blame it on something? Is he going to now he's blaming on play calling in, in, in a very subtle way? That's not great. That's a really bad situation to be in when you're trying to work out a contract extension in the coming offseason. Wow. Perfect transition. Speaking of internal issues, <laughs> let's oh, talk about I know the Jacksonville Jaguars. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, we got to talk about Jacksonville. We got to talk about Urban Meyer. And, you know, Charles, one of the things that I thought of when Urban uh, threatened that, hey, anybody who leaks stuff, they're just going to be fired. Here's the problem with that. Some of the people leaking stuff are in position to fire you. I mean, the leaks are coming from all over. Leaks might be coming from the ownership level, might be coming from the presidential level. Maybe they're coming from the locker room, your loser coaching staff. There are too many people who are anti-Urban Meyer for Urban Meyer to do something about it. That's just one. But I, I'm just wondering how you see the entire situation and how do you think it will end? Well, let's be really binary about this, okay? Like, it, if it's true, if the leaks are true, then all Probably. the information in that is damaging, okay? Uh, but if the yeah. leaks are not true, it means someone out there is purposefully lying and pressing out information from inside the organization about Urban Meyer. Neither of those is good. Whichever path you want to take, those are both bad. Um, and And... To me, when I kind of watched all the post-game pressers and, and read through the transcripts and everything, the, the thing that really you have to be worried about if you're a Jacksonville Jaguar fan is Trevor Lawrence is getting asked repeatedly now about Urban Meyer, about the locker room, about all these different things, right? So there's that. Then you also have other people who are looking at Trent Baalke, the general manager, going, hmm, so he was there when the 49ers went to war with Jim Harbaugh. That ended. He was there with the one and dones with Jim Tomsula and Chip Kelly that were all ugly and there were leaks all over the place. So you have people looking at Trent Baalke going, is he like involved in this or is he not? Or which I'm not saying he is, but I'm like, that's just another layer of questions that only lead to bad things. So um, there's no there's no upside to this. And when I wrote about this, I brought up the fact that Bobby Petrino, almost 14 years to the day, um, resigned at this point in the season. Bobby Petrino resigned after 13 games of the Atlanta Falcons. Here's the crazy thing about that. Bobby Petrino was 3-10, <laughs> okay? He had one more win than Urban Meyer, okay? Well, and, Mike, and Mike Vick had gone to jail. Like, okay, yeah, yeah, it wasn't yeah. the job that he took. It was, it's, it's, <laughs> that is so in fairness what? to Bobby Petrino. I know, I know, I know, I know. Said right, no right, one right, ever. Ever, ever. But yet here we are today where I was like, right. and he was coaching a season in which his, his presumed starting quarterback was being prosecuted by the feds right. and not right. on the team. And so, right. and so 
Now, the difference was Bobby quit. He snuck out. He quit. Mike Zimmer called him a coward. And, and so, you know, Urban presses on. But fundamentally behind all of this, Urban Meyer signed what is believed to be a six-year contract. And an agent that, that I've spoken with who keeps very good information and data, he does a lot of coach contracts, told me is his understanding Urban Meyer is making $9 million a season. So he has five years plus the remainder of the season, potentially, and $9 million a clip um, for, for the remainder of that contract. That is what is protecting him. Okay, so you want to know what's protecting him? Go and watch Wolf of Wall Street. You see where the woman's got all the money taped to her body? That's his Kevlar yeah. vest. Te- it's all technically the guaranteed that is my, money. You, you got a million dollars all over your body. Technically, you, you do work for me. Yes. You do work for me, right? No, but, but, but Charles, all... listen to this, though. Listen to this. So Urban Meyer was asked about Andre Sisko playing more. Again, he's been asked about this apparently before. He said, Cisco is playing a little bit more, I believe. I don't have his numbers in front of me. Apparently, Andre Cisco played zero defensive snaps yesterday. Which leads uh, me to this question. What exactly does Urban Meyer do? Because he seems not only disinterested, disengaged, but he also seems completely disconnected from his football operation right. that he is being paid that you just pointed out nine million dollars a year. This is funny than Michael nine million dollars because he saw this coming nine million dollars a year to oversee. He doesn't know about the running back rotation or at least he'll have us believe there was right. another instance. It escapes me because I get lost in all the urban Meyer missteps. There was another instance where it was like, yo, this is game management. That's your purview. That's your job. It was something else that, that, that Trevor Lawrence had to answer to this year. So if Urban Meyer does nothing other than make everybody miserable and throw people under the bus and threaten to fire leakers, exactly what value is he bringing that eating his contract wouldn't offset? Because if anything, he seems to be more of a hindrance than a value add at this point. He seems to be holding the organization back. Well, the... Okay, there's two ways to look at this. Actually, there's only really one way to look at it. We talked about the salary. It's a $100 million decision, okay? So if you fire him now, you're going to pay out whatever, $50 million. You're going to have to pay $50 million to the coach who replaces him, okay? And a new staff. Owners and a new staff. Owners have a hard time admitting small mistakes. It's a really hard time admitting a big mistake. And the $100 million mistake is a very big mistake, okay? So there's that. But as you said about what is he doing, I think the whole ball game, everything we can we can talk about the resumes. I'm, I have a winning resume. He doesn't have a winning resume. Whatever, all the things that came out, um, you know, whether coaches, players, all the stuff. The whole ball game, the whole enchilada here is Trevor Lawrence. Okay, it is. It's right, Trevor Lawrence. Right, it is. Right. It is. That's this the is game. the. It's the end game, right? This is the foundational piece moving forward that we cannot screw up. And once it becomes a hindrance to Trevor Lawrence, who, by the way, looked like he's regressing, like it, Sunday was the worst game he's played this season, um, then as an owner, you have to sit there and go, am I going to allow this, this thing that we have that has to be the centerpiece to be damaged by this? Um, and if I am, now it's on me. Okay, now I'm and, – and here's the one thing I want to mention about Lawrence that came out in the reporting. If Trevor Lawrence has to go to Urban Meyer and ask Urban Meyer why James Robinson is not playing more, that is a fundamental red flag that he is now being affected by by what is going wrong inside the organization. To me, that is a clear as day sign where your rookie, you know, number one draft pick quarterback has to come to you and go, 
this guy is a is our best running back. Why is he not on the field? That is a glaring example of a player who is now looking at a situation that affects him and saying, I don't understand this. That's scary. All right, man. We appreciate you, Charles Robinson. Thank you so much. And uh, definitely thank you for the Wolf of Wall Street pool. One of my all-time favorites. Yeah. That's what, I, that's what I think about. Every time people are like, just fire him. I'm like, but he's standing there with the, all the stacks, just, just all like Velcro to his body. That's what Urban Meyer is. All that guaranteed money is a big Kevlar vest right now. At least twice a day. You got to pump those numbers up, Charles. The rookie numbers in this racket. All right. All right, Talk guys. to you later. later. All right. Be good. All right. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Are you aware whose uh, arena scoring record you broke tonight? Who's? Blake Griffin's. <laughs> really? <laughs> In the season's finals, what do you have? Uh, 50. Yeah, 50 years? Yeah. Yeah, good to break, break Blake's record. Uh, yeah, I don't know that. I mean, this is a new arena. I'm sure somebody's somebody going to break this one here soon. Yo, Kevin Durant went smooth off against the Pistons yesterday. So, Michael, what I would like to do, if you uh, would be so inclined. Yes, um, I'm inclined. I'm inclined. Yes, I am. You already know what I'm going to ask you to do? Okay. I I just want to have a civil conversation about about a guy who in 41 minutes last night went for 51 points, 9 assists, and 7 rebounds. You know, I'm going to say something. You know, like, we have a... you know, we got Hoodie Mellow. We got different versions of players, you know, that are like next level. You know, Mass Kyrie, who I'll get to in a second. Um, yeah. Put it on me, Durant. Solo Durant is a sight to behold. We saw it in the playoffs yes. last year uh, in, yes. against, the, against the Bucks. We saw it back in the day when Russ was out in Oklahoma City. Um Durant last night, obviously no Kyrie. Again, we'll get to that momentarily. No Harden last night. Doing whatever is necessary just goes to show how great this dude really is. And, and, and maybe that there's a level that he hasn't even really had an opportunity to get to. Not, that's not shortchanging him. But surrounded by talent in OKC, talent that he grew up with, of course, outgrew it, went to Golden State, was a part of that system and has ha, has played uh, for the most part with, uh, with with some superstar talent in Brooklyn. When the dude, when it's just him, dude's a monster. And, and we haven't, there's nobody better now or ever that has, uh, at, at putting the ball in the basket than, than one Kevin Durant. He's got everything offensively. And he might have another MVP at the end of this year. And I would hope that you could find it in your heart, Michael Holly, to yes. look at what this man is doing, the numbers that he's putting up, yeah. uh, and also find a corresponding narrative. Because, you know, it's two things with MVP. It's numbers and his narrative. He's got the numbers. 
could the narrative be there when James Harden is not James Harden? Kyrie, for now, isn't there. Uh, and the way he's playing, I don't know. How, you know, Steph is Steph is the is the leader right now based on how the Warriors are playing. But I don't know how you could discount Kevin Durant from winning MVP uh, the way he's played right now. I don't think anybody is, but for us all said nothing, it might be it might be his award to lose. You know, I, I'm drawn to certain types of projects, certain types of reporting where we all are aware of an incident. It's something something public, whether it's a celebrity that everybody knows or it's a game that everybody has seen. So you have that as a backdrop, but then you have uh, a documentarian, a journalist, a, a screenwriter who tells you something about what you saw that brings a different yeah. context to it. Like, oh, wait a minute, I was watching this. I didn't know this was happening at the time. I bring that up because I don't know what it is. I'm telling you, I sense a peace with Kevin Durant. I sense a contentedness. Dare I say, Michael Smith, about, I'm talking about Kevin Durant here. Mr. Twitter fingers himself. Mr. Somebody say something? What? You said He's comfortable. I sense a happiness. Kevin Durant, a happiness. Even though he didn't like to, he said he didn't want to use that word. He didn't want well, to change as long that. As, you ain't, as he, long as you ain't trying to get that, at him from the, from, the, from the stands. Now, if you get at him from the stands, he'll let you have it. Uh, as, yeah. as, as he yeah. then got fined for well, but I, I'm all for cussing people game. out. Maybe that's just me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Sometimes you got to do that. Sometimes you have to. I think, I think everybody has to do that like once, at least once every two or three years. You know, <laughs> sometimes people just have it coming and it makes you feel better. And it makes that person understand you in a different light because they, they may approach you thinking that you won't do that and then they get it. So they deserve it. Here it is. There it is right there from KD. Um, but I, I sense a, 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 a lightness to his game. Uh, just a, you maybe you had the word. Maybe it's comfortable that I haven't seen in a few years. I saw this from Kevin Durant when he first got to Golden State, maybe. Maybe saw it at, at parts of it in the MVP season. But he just seems he's on something different, man. I'm not sure what it is. Maybe we'll find out. You know, he's got his own boardroom project. Maybe we'll find out in the boardroom. Maybe we'll find out in a year or two. But this Kevin Durant, he's always been able to oh, score. Is he, is he on something There's different? a shine on him that's a little different. Yeah, I think it is. Well, number one, he looks better. He looks better. Like his repertoire, uh, his array... Of, of moves his his mid-range game his over just he just looks like a better player than the one that uh, you know was lost to the Achilles injury came back last year looked phenomenal last year culminating with that virtuoso performance uh, in the Bucks series but he looks like he's managed to add to his game and we talking about one of them one of the leading scorers on a per game basis in NBA history um, so it's like, how much better can a guy get? He looks better in terms of, of this piece that you described about him. I don't know if it's a piece or is it just a difference in how we look at him? You know, is it is it is it in the eye of the beholder? Do well, you, me and others consider who, no, but consider what I, who you're talking to? I, you know, I'm not well, trying to. <laughs> well, but it's I'm not, not like, but it's something. not. Well, but it's give yourself like a little more credit than that. It's, it's not it's not like we just look. It's not like he's not giving it to, to fans, whether it's in person or online. Uh, I don't know that he's changed so much as I think 
last year, what he did against the Bucks and how he attempted to, the, the, the effort that he put forth in trying to carry that team with half of Harden and no Kyrie. I think what we did was it took most of us a while, but we set aside some of the narratives that we had about him as it relates to him leaving Oklahoma City for Golden State or teaming up with Kyrie and Harden to begin with. And we just started to appreciate what we had in Kevin Durant. And I think that's, a, that, that's why I asked if we could have just a civil conversation about the Nets because we're watching somebody who might be as devastating a scorer as we've ever seen in the NBA with apologies to the late great Kobe Bryant and apologies to Michael Jordan. And obviously we'll put up some incredible numbers. Nobody's done it like this dude. Nobody's done it like this dude when it comes to putting the ball in the basket with the with the array of, of skills well, and moves. Well, what do you mean, though? I mean, that's a and big package. I, I, that's a big statement. I, uh, I guess okay. the only the only competition because if you if you factor in the three ball, then you, that eliminates Jordan, right? And, and there you go to a degree. That's Kobe, that's part of right? that's that's part of my calculus. That's that's part of my calculus. Okay. Will the shooting that wasn't you know the different era. It's the shooting scoring, for me. Yes, but the type of scoring. But how about how about Steph? If you just look at wouldn't Steph, Steph ain't seven feet that? tall. Steph ain't seven feet yeah, tall. Okay, Steph but, ain't seven feet tall yeah, taking but, you off the dribble and, and putting okay, his back to but, the basket the way that he, this guy is doing. Right, but how often but is that really a huge part of Kevin Durant's game? But I think yeah, he can he can go, he can dunk on you, but how often does he do how often does he do that? How often does he the post game of Kevin Durant is something that now mind's eye. Now maybe the the stats, the shot charts will prove me wrong, but in my mind's eye, I don't see Kevin Durant. Yeah, no, I'm not, I'm, post, not post, Akeem, post, I'm not talking to Kim. I'm not talking to Kim Elijah Kareem Abdul. Yeah, and no, I'm not talking about Akeem Elijah Wan, Kareem Abdul Jabbar low post tra- from a traditional sense. I'm talking about back to the basket. I'm just talking about I, I I would say it again, this is not a diss to Steph Curry. I would say that his repertoire at his size at his side. Trying to say this. He's got Dirk's Dirt. moves. I'm glad I'm glad you said that. He out here shooting one legged fadeaways as a for instance, but he's very Dirk like in terms of being able to shoot like that. But Dirk didn't have Kevin Durant's handles or his moves. I mean, Kevin Durant is like single handedly trying to bring the mid range game back with some of the some of the uh, efficiency that he's shooting. Larry. Larry Bird. Larry's one Maybe. of the greatest shooters of all time, but as you know, he had Larry didn't. He had handles, but Larry didn't shoot the three ball. Contrary to popular belief, when it comes to his prowess and his, he Larry didn't it. shoot the three he ball with the well. volume. He shot it well, well but yeah, not with a, the volume yeah, or the distance. Yeah, the game. game is different. Yeah, the, exactly. But it's different. Game so, has evolved. So, but game but has if evolved. You look at this total package. But if you look at the threes that he shot. But if you look at the threes that he yeah. shot. Yeah, he, he, you know, he was a three-point champion, and and he shot it with ac- uh, great accuracy. No, he. So, I'm, I, good, I'm not good free Shane throw Larry shooter, Legend. Good handles. I'm not assist. Shane Larry I think, Legend. I think maybe I'm Larry. Not. I think Larry maybe you got based on uh, on this yeah, scale. But, Dur- this but okay, scale. but Durant, Durant's a 50, 40, 90 guy himself at right. seven feet tall, taking you off the dribble, three three ball, mid range, back to the basket. What more you want? So he's, as, he's, he's one of a kind, he's one of one, as dynamic and as complete a scorer as we've seen. Squarely within the MVP conversation, but that's not a stretch. Best player in the game, whatever you want to say. Well, I, mean, I won't go there. Give, give I won't say the best man. player in the game. Give it but to the man. We gotta get to, we'll get to Kyrie later. Yeah, top three. Top three. Top three.
We'll get to Kyrie. Last night he looked like one. We'll get to Kyrie later. Um, All right. With the the latest on him, but had to give KD his props. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Um, it's going to be tough sledding for us until we, um, until we get better in that area. Um, we're not good in that area. We were JV again tonight. And I'm talking about up front on both sides. Uh, we lost the battle in the line of scrimmages, and that's football. Um, we make no excuse. Um, it is what it is. Um, we got to be better than we were. Um, we'll turn over every stone to do that. Um, we got a long week coming up between this and our next one. We'll make good use of that time and assess not only what we're doing, but who we're doing, with, who doing it with. We're doing this now with our guy, uh, Jerome Bettis, who is taking some time out of his preparation for the PXG College Golf Showcase coming up Wednesday night on the Golf Channel. And, Buzz, I, I hate to ask this question about a Mike Tomlin team, about a Steelers team, but how did this franchise, dare I say it, lose its way? Whether it's Chase Claypool's Ooh. immature and selfish antics, whether it's being run on, uh, or not running consistently the way we've gotten used to seeing like getting what's blown out the by the Bengals, the Bengals blowing what's you out to the Steelers as we know them, man. And the division well, ain't them. They can still win a division, which is crazy, but they just look lost. Well, it's it's more the transition from uh, when you when you lose guys on that offensive line, you had guys retiring, you had guys moving on to different teams. So you, in essence, have a whole new offensive line. And when that happens, then you're going to have some issues. So the problem also is that they've got some injuries on the defensive line. Uh, and because of that, when you don't have an offensive line that's solid, you don't have a defensive line uh, that's healthy and consistent, then that's what you see. Uh, that's the kind of football you see. It's, it's not – uh, anything it's not culture uh science no it's not culture it's 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 x's and o's and, and coach said it we got to look at who we're doing it with because you know that's part of the issue you got to put the best guys out there and sometimes the best guys you have is not good enough and mm. you know that's that's another part of the equation i think when you look at what they did the last couple of years they've neglected um putting that equity in the offensive line uh, they the last couple of drafts they didn't they didn't draft any offensive linemen in the top three uh, you know last year year before stuff like those those are 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 times when you have an opportunity to determine what kind of team you're going to have right where where do you put that draft equity because we know the Steelers aren't a team that goes out and get high price free agents or you know the best player at that position at that time. That's not what they do. So they they develop through the draft. And if you're not drafting that offensive line, defensive line, and if you miss a couple years and then all of a sudden you're starting to age guys out, that's a problem. And I think that's kind of where we are, uh, them little neglecting to a certain degree 
that um, offense defensive line coming back now to home. Based on the talent that they have, based on what you see right now, what should their identity be? Well, right now, they cannot get a third and one, right? They can't get a yard when they have to. Uh, and that's the, that's the disappointing part. But guess what? At, at 13 weeks in, you have to know who you are. And you've got to say, you know what? Week 14, week 15, we need to change the game plan and now focus on what we do well and stop doing the things that we do poorly. And, and you know, I, I saw last week, you know, that a couple third ones, they're trying to get it, couldn't get a yard. So at that point, you have to stop doing that. I'm not saying stop running the football, but in those critical moments, you're not going to pick up that yard. So now you want to do something that's more effective. So I, I just think they need to change some of the play calling to benefit what they do better. Right now, they're throwing the football much better. So you've got to throw the football more. It's, it's unfortunate that I'm saying that, right? I can't believe I'm saying it. But that's what you have, right? After week 14, you have to reassess and say, you know what? We cannot get this yard. So either we're going to do, we're going to spend this whole week trying to get this offensive line to get a yard, or we're going to say, let's do some things that we do better and let's focus our energies there. So I, I just think there, you can't have it both ways. Week, week 15, you know what you are. So be who you yeah. are. Right now, they are not the physical dominating team on the offensive line or on the defensive line. So, in other words, put more on Ben in the passing game. Michael and I had a, a heated and lengthy argument about this last week. Um, is it is there a world in which the best thing for this franchise is to bring Ben Roethlisberger back next season? Is there a world where that makes sense for this team? Absolutely. Let me tell you what world. Now, it's not a it's not a perfect world by any by any stretch. But here's how you bring Ben back. You have to look at the model that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers implored. They brought in a quarterback that was forty plus years old. How do you protect this guy? What they did, they got a first round left tackle. They turned around. They went out and got another offensive lineman. Right and said to ourselves, we are going to put the best offensive line we can possibly put in front of him to protect him, right? And we're going to pound the football to protect the quarterback. So they did all these things to protect the quarterback. That is an age quarterback. So now you don't have to worry about uh, Tom Brady throwing the ball 45 times. Now, he can do it two or three games, but to ask him to do it 17 weeks, now now you're doing him a disservice. So when you look at Ben, what do you do? If we go out and get the best offensive line we can possibly do, i.e. you saw Kansas City do it last year. Um, you, you saw when, when, when uh, Tampa brought in Tom Brady, what they did. They committed uh, resources to the offensive line. If the Steelers want to bring, bring Ben back, because right now there's not many options out there at quarterback. He can still spin it. We saw that. If he's given the time, he can still spin the football. He cannot move as the way he used to move. And in one of his trademark, uh, you know, plays was shrugging, you know, shrugging off guys and and then make making that play. That's out 
of the repertoire. We, we understand that. But you got to protect him. If you protect him, he can still throw it. He can still help you win. But you have to protect him with the offensive line. I don't know if you, if you followed it. Uh, Mike Tomlin got very upset when the USC job was still open. His name came up. He was very upset that his name came up in the USC job. But then we started looking at some of the money, Jerome, that these coaches are making. I said to Mike Smith, hey, maybe he should throw his name back into that, into that ringer because these college coaches are getting pro money. Uh, do you understand why he, he got so upset? And, and how do you look at college coaches, Notre Dame included, uh, Notre Dame's former coach leaving, getting uh, bigger money at LSU, how do you look at some of these college coaches getting these huge contracts? Well, for, first of all, Tomlin, the re, I think the, one of the reasons he was upset was he considers himself in the, in the top echelon of coaches, which he should be considered. Obviously, having won a championship, there's not there's maybe six, seven, eight coaches that have won uh, championships, right, in, in the NFL. So from that standpoint, he's a, in a different class. Well, none of those other coaches in that class were being considered. So he's like, why, why am I being considered that, you know, I'm not on that class. So that, that was his issue. And it made sense to me. I, I get that part. Um, also the, the other part to that is the way the game is changing. Uh, and now the players have uh, more opportunity. They can go, uh, with this portal thing, I, I think it's the it's a great thing for for college um, athletics as a whole because it doesn't force uh, the player to have to sit in a situation where the where the organization doesn't have that same type of loyalty, right? You can you can do what you need to do. So I get that part. Now the coaches being paid what they're being paid, we understand that this is a business, and the business is winning football games and. Although, yes, it is a college in, in setting, college environment. When you look at these programs, it's an arms race uh, with the best facilities, the, you know, the, the best fields, the best stadium, all these things. And so naturally, uh, that competition is going to go into the coaching side. And these universities that's not afraid to say, hey, we want the best, we're willing to pay for it. Well, now all of a sudden, you get the arms race in terms of coaches. So I understand the money. I know that my, my alma mater being, you know, a Notre Dame guy, we have not committed to playing that game. And so for instance, when you see our coach leave, well, you look at his base salary, his base salary was a third, uh, I believe of what he got paid. Right. So at that point you have to say, okay, I understand. I get it. And I'm thankful for what you did for our program. We appreciate it. And I, I don't see why so many people are upset. They're all upset about him leaving. And, and that, if you understand the, the, the situation, he was getting paid a, a third of what he's being paid. You cannot pay someone a third and think that it's okay. He was underpaid in terms of his value being the second most winningest coach behind Nick Saban. And you getting you getting paid a third of what he's getting paid. So I understand him leaving, uh, and, and I get that part. The problem is college athletics. You have to change some of those bars 
to allow these coaches to stay. If you change the, the, the national signing day, you push that back. Now it allows the coaches to, to be able to stay. Hey, before we let you get out of here, speaking of college, man, we know you've gone from being a Hall of Fame running back and a great broadcaster <laughs> to running things on the golf course. PXG College Golf Showcase Wednesday night on the Golf Channel. What you going to shoot, bus? Hey, you know, I'm going to try to do my thing, man, but it's more about these amazing athletes at these great programs, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Duke, uh, SMU, Washington. So, so it's about it's about these young people and and giving them the opportunity to kind of follow their dreams. And so it's just it's gonna be great. I'll, I'll be doing my thing out there, but it's really about them. <laughs> All right, man. We appreciate you, brother. I Thank like you so it. much for falling through. Thank yeah, you, man. Appreciate you, you guys, man. And I love what All you right. guys are doing, man. Keep it up. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Appreciate you, man. No problem. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hey, Mike, are you buying this optimism? Yes, yes I am. Oh, you are? Okay. Yes, I don't, am. Don't, pff, yes. Don't, take it away. Got to be under a rocket. Yes. You ain't heard yes. that Shams is reporting. There's optimism that Kyrie Irving could return based on uh, him being engaged with uh, Kevin Durant. There's optimism around the NBA that Kyrie could play this year, either getting vaccinated or the Nets softening their stance that they wouldn't have him be a part-time player as in only playing road games based on New York's vaccine mandate. Why are you optimistic, Michael? This is always a path. This has always been the path to me. It is not, and we've talked about this before, Mike, um, in, in a different context. We'll start off in a different context and we'll just bring it back into this Brooklyn Nets situation. When okay. people have made the decision, people have talked about their, their, their discomfort with the vaccine or being vaccinated and what is it, and they have all these kind of questions. The, the path is not fire and brimstone. It's not preaching to them. It's not telling them that they're wrong and, hey, well, what, who are you using? Where's your research coming from and wagging the finger? It's not that. It is always relational. It's always a connection that will mm -hmm. get somebody to change their mind. If you're, if you're dug in, somebody wagging their finger at you, it's just going to make you be even more intractable. What will okay. do it is somebody that you respect coming to you and that conversation may be leading to something else. So I don't think it's the Nets. I don't think the Nets have softened their stance. I think it, it's very simple. I think it's Kevin Durant and his conversations with somebody who he's very close to, um, Kyrie Irving, saying, okay, this is what I'm just an ordinary conversation. Yeah. And this is what I, this is what I'm seeing. Ordinary conversation. Mm. This is what I'm seeing. Okay. This is what the league is like. This is what the locker room is like. This is how I see this. Uh, our team. This is the potential of our team. What will it be with you? Uh, better than what it is right now. Um, they, and I, 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 don't, I don't. I don't think Kevin Durant has, has tried to campaign him. I think it's just. Did you find Did you find Kyrie Irving to be vaccine to be anti-vaccine or vaccine? He said he wasn't. 
He okay. said hesitant. He, he said he was not. He said he's not pro. He said he said he's not anti. He said using his words because he's very careful. I, I'm, I'm very careful with people like this who who are a little um, who are a little tough to follow. And I think sometimes Kyrie Irving is tough to follow. But I just I just followed his words when he gave that long IG remember, statement yeah. monologue. He said I'm not I'm not pro. I'm not anti. Isn't it okay if I have some questions? All right. Well, okay. I'll put it to you like this. And we talked about this. You said you got questions. What What was his process? And maybe we'll find out pretty soon. Maybe we'll find out pretty soon. What was his process when it came to getting those questions answered to the point? This is two different things. You could have questions and they could be answered, but are they answered to a point where you feel good about getting vaccinated? And if that's the case, we'll find out soon enough whatever he whatever information he came upon that was different from the information that existed back then. I don't think the information's changed. The the the, the virus has changed and evolved into another variant. But I don't know if the information yes. has changed yes. that was available to right. him to begin with. So my only point is, is this. It wouldn't surprise me if the Nets actually softened their stance because just like Kyrie took a hard line stance and said, I'm not comfortable getting vaccinated. The Nets took a hard line stance and said, we're not comfortable with you being a part time player and only playing road games. Why? Why would they soften their stance? I don't know. Why would Kyrie Tell soften his? Because why would Kyrie soften his. I, I, he, Kyrie. Okay, like, maybe they're, soft, like maybe they're softening theirs because they're like, you know what? Harden struggling. Maybe they were like me. It was like, hey, we got James Harden. We got Kevin Durant. We'll be fine without Kyrie. Remember, I was like, oh, I was like, oh, the Nets will be fine without Kyrie because they have two superstars. They got one right. who's playing 40 something minutes a night and another one who's struggling for one reason or another. Maybe the Nets are like half a Kyrie is better than none or maybe our infrastructure is better than we thought. Maybe the organization I'm just spitballing here. I'm literally spitballing. Yeah, I know. I'm, and I'm we, both think, are. we both are, but right. maybe Got but it. maybe just as Kyrie right. is going through his process. Maybe the Nets are going through their process and talking whether Steve Nash, the assistants, the veterans being like, you know what? Guys, we didn't think Kyrie was this dug in. Can we figure out a way to make this work? It would be weird. It'd be unprecedented. It'd be awkward. But maybe having Kyrie play on the road is better than not having Kyrie at all this year. I hope, Michael, that it's as cut and dry as you're saying that Kyrie Irving has come around, whether it's through encouragement from Kevin Durant or just as yeah. time has gone on, him missing basketball has outweighed whatever principle prevented him from getting the jab to begin with. That would be clean and simple. I just don't know that things are ever that simple with Kyrie Irving. And, right. I, and maybe the Nets, who drew their own line in the sand, are the ones actually thinking maybe we could work around Kyrie's stance as it relates to the vaccine mandate in New York. I, I just know, I just know from my own experience and perhaps yours too, I could hear something from, I could hear the same information, but depending on who it's coming from, I'll, I'll respond in a different way. Uh, you know, look, somebody else, not named Michael Smith, could tell me something about uh, doing a show, or could tell me something about journalism, and I might go, eh, okay, I ain't trying to hear that. But you tell me, I'm listening to you. I have respect for you. I've got experience with you. It, it, I'll receive it in a different way if it's coming from you. That's mm -hmm. one. Here's two. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Kyrie Irving always describes himself as an artist, usually when he's lecturing us, <laughs> uh, those who, who have never played the game uh, at, at a high level. 
hey, 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 stop with all this gossip. Uh, stop with all this stuff, all the likes and the clicks, and just respect the art. Enjoy the art. That's what he says. Yep. So if you're an artist and you don't have uh, an outlet for your art, that could be very, now you're a frustrated artist. <laughs> and so it, it could come down to that. Wait a minute. It's December. I'm still not playing ball and I'm yeah. not hurt. Yeah. I'm not right. playing. I'm, Come on, I'm watching. I, I no. need, give me this They're canvas. First place me without this canvas. me, Durant's about to go get MVP without me. Yeah, it could be a lot. Of, yeah. yeah, yeah, because yeah. I know he is. Well, these guys who say they're more than basketball players. Okay, first of all, that's that's not saying much. Of course you are. You're you're a fully formed human being. Human beings are capable of doing many things, especially people who are uh, who who are enlightened. They have uh, several experiences. We know you're more than uh, well, I do. I know you're more than a basketball player. I know that. I would never just say that's all you can do. Sure. But you say you're more than a basketball player, but basketball is is still, a big yeah, part it's still a, of you. It's your platform. So no question. So go do it. And he's too gifted. Go do it. He's too gifted not to share his art with the world. Just to be clear, it was uh, according to Shams in recent weeks, Durant and Irving uh, have had increased communication about his fit on the team, breaking down the games, about life in general. So an increased level of enthusiasm between the two superstars. Yep. Uh, let me see if we can yep, sneak yep, in yep. one more NBA thing before we take this break. Let's do it. Uh, also from Shams. Knicks, I Lakers, I hate it. Timberwolves, Trailblazers, Kings, Pacers, and Cavs among the teams interested in Ben Simmons. In Ben Simmons, although unclear how much traction Philadelphia truly has on any move. My only thing, the only thing I want to say about this, I don't have much to say about it because Daryl Moore, we know, wants the moon and the stars, so, you know, I'm, I'm not holding my breath that a trade is imminent. Although, just like with Kyrie Irving, I love to see this young man back on the court. You know, it just, we love to see some kind of closure, some kind of uh, resolution here. I don't know what the hell the Lakers want with Ben Simmons. While Sure, he would individually be a better yeah. defender than just about anybody on their team. Well, than anybody on their team. The last thing they need is right. more non-shooting. Let me say that again. The last thing the Lakers need is more non-shooting. Ball-dominant people. I'm wondering. I'm wondering. I don't. That's the other part. That's the other part. Yeah. How would they like? Maybe, yeah. What do they have that somebody wants that's tradable in even a three-team scenario? So that's the yeah. other part. In, in no particular order. How could they realistically get him? Yeah. Another bad fit on top of the one they're already trying to get over. But this is the main thing for me for ben, from Ben Simmons' perspective because I want what's best for Ben at this point, to be honest. I mean, I'm being honest. I'm not being facetious. The last place Ben Simmons needs to be at this point in his career is New York or L.A. Minnesota makes sense. Portland makes sense. Sacramento makes sense. Indiana makes sense. Cleveland makes sense. New York or L.A.? Now look, his mental his mental health issues may may strictly be rooted in the deterioration of his relationship with the Philadelphia 76ers. However, I doubt it. Because we knew that there was yeah. something going on between the ears and above the neck long before Doc Rivers and Joel Embiid say what they said after the Hawks series. So, I don't want to see Ben Simmons jump out of the frying pan and into the fryer. Yeah. In a place like New York or LA, I don't think it's good for me. I thought you were about to quote it. I thought you were about to quote it. 
<laughs> public, public, public service first announcement. Out, I thought you were about to just get, fresh out of, keep going, keep oh, going. Oh, oh wait. <laughs> oh, you put me on the spot. <laughs> Uh, see now, oh yeah, you're not, now you I'll be the music okay. biz number one supplier. Fly it in a yeah. piece of paper, bam, my name. I got the hottest chick in the game. Wearing my chain, that's right. Hold, yeah, okay, okay, cool. Go ahead. Yeah, sorry, I wasn't ready to check, rap. Just check, <laughs> check cheddar like a food inspector. Okay, yeah. um, so I, I Ben Simmons. I'm a big. I'm, a, I'm still. I'm a Ben Simmons fan. Okay, this I, this is beyond. Hey, taking sides. That's over. Like forget about who who did what. I, I I would I'm hopeful that both sides have just kind of moved on from that. Well, you did this, you did that. All right, fine. We're, we're never going to agree on it. It Ben Simmons feels like he can't go back to Philadelphia. Philadelphia, I'm sure uh, the the organization and the city doesn't want Ben Simmons back anymore. Okay, that's done. I, I agree with what you said about the Lakers. Here's the one thing I don't agree with. And this is my way of sneaking in. The only thing I'm going to say about this is, this is sneaking in some Cavaliers commentary. I don't know if he makes sense for them. They, the Cleveland Cavaliers oh, might I, be the most surprised. They might be the most surprising yeah. team of the yeah. NBA season so far. I just met wow. market. Yeah, that's why. That's why I love wow. Cleveland. I just met market. I met situation. But yeah, yeah you're market. right. You wouldn't want market. To, yeah, but yeah. but their team. With, with Mobley yeah. and Allen and the way they've been playing, I, it, last time I checked, they're like number five or number six in the Eastern Conference. They are a legitimate playoff team. I love yeah. watching. They, if you like watching box scores, okay, like, you don't have time <laughs> to watch all day. Just watch their box scores. The Cleveland Cavaliers always give you some box scores. Go, Wait a minute. Whether it's Jared Allen giving you like 20 points and 20 rebounds, whether right. it's Mobley and his 14 rebounds, whether it's Ricky Rubio and his crazy self, at, at, at times coming up with these outrageous box scores. Cleveland has a good thing going. They're going in the right direction. I don't think Ben Simmons is a good fit for them. But okay. anyway, right. he's not I, a good I, I fit would. for the Cavaliers nor the Lakers. Everybody else, I can I, see it. I Knicks love are to struggling. see them in Minnesota. They need a boost. The Knicks I need a boost. In Minnesota. And Minnesota, yeah. I'm not sure he needs a good fit for Minnesota either. The oh. Knicks the Knicks need something. The Knicks, they need something special. Him in New York. Oof. Man. Just, not good. Out of fit from Philly They're to not New good. York. The Knicks are not good. Seems like every other week Tom Brady is achieving some other milestone. This week he... he I can't keep up with him. I know. Well, I don't think any of us really can, but what, what can you say about him and his longevity in the sport and the fact that he's just continuing to do this at such a high level? I don't think there'll be any records left when he's done. He sacrificed his body to get that first down. I mean, he took a hit. Yeah, that's enough of that. <laughs> Hey man, I said before he's gonna get a hundred thousand yards before it's all said and done. I remember when the record was Franz Parkinson forty seventh. I thought you were crazy when, when you said that. I really did. Remember when? Remember when the record was forty seven thousand with Fran Tarkenton? I remember that. Um, I also remember when uh, when Marino broke Tarkenton's touchdown pass record. Now Brady is up to seven hundred, including postseason touchdown passes. Um, what more can you say? Speaking, I mean, speaking of public service announcement, what more can I say <laughs> when, when, when it comes to Tom Brady? Now he's about to be the oldest MVP in professional sports in North American professional sports at 44 years old. Yeah, it, it, a la Jay Z, he should have his mom on the track. Thomas Edward Patrick Brady. <laughs> I always knew he was going to be something special way back in 1977. Look, Mike, uh, we both remember. I put it in there. This is touchdown pass number 700. 
we both remember touchdown pass number one from Brady, and it was, it really was. Uh, Terry Glenn. It really told the story. It right, Terry Glenn. It really told the story of who he was going to be. Not only was his uh, first touchdown pass in October of 2001 to Terry Glenn, but in that game, oh, surprise, surprise, Tom Brady and the Patriots at that time were down 10 points with about five minutes left in the fourth quarter to the Chargers. They come back, they tie it up, Brady balls out in overtime. And they win in overtime over the Chargers, and that propelled them toward the Super Bowl that that season. Number 700, they were ahead this time. They gave up a big lead, but they get a win in overtime, and they look like a team. Now, you said last week, are you, you, you expect me to bet against Tom Brady? I said, oh, yeah, in the playoffs, I'll bet against Tom Brady. Uh, that's one I might want to just pull that back in a little bit, <laughs> even though, even though, the Cardinals are the number one seed in the NFC and the Packers look very good and the Buccaneers are, are, are going to win the NFC South and look like they're the third best team on paper uh, record wise. Yeah, man. Watch out. Watch well, let me, out. Let me just I say mean, this. Let me say this before we go because we're running out of yeah, go ahead. We're running out of time. Yeah, um, one team we haven't talked about is the Cowboys and the only thing I want to say about the Cowboys is one day we're going to look back if we're alive to see it and talk about do you remember Michael Parsons the way we were reflecting on Tom Brady as a rookie? Do you remember when Michael Parsons first break in? Mike, you talked about your man Mo Roberts, your creative player in Madden. I remember Julius Rucker. Bro, those stats Julius right Rucker. there. 12 sacks, 75 tackles, 17 tackles for loss, 27 QB hits. That's Madden stats. That's creative player stats, dude. Come on. That's creative player stats. And the stats. season's not over. So one day, the season's not over. we may be talking, the same way we're talking about Tom Brady. I'm going to get ahead of myself. Forget defensive rookie of the year. Forget defensive player of the year. Damn it, I'm talking Canton when it talks to Micah Parsons. When it comes to Micah Parsons, I'm talking Canton. If he stays healthy, my dude, we will be talking about the guy who was Lawrence Taylor, Mixed with Ray Lewis out this mug. I mean, I mean, he playing off the ball, rushing the passer. I mean, my God, hyperbole. He's always forget around it. The I don't care. Dude's incredible. He's always Dude's around incredible. the ball, whether it's whether it's in the backfield or in the field of play, making the tackle, tipping a ball, hitting the quarterback, strip sacks. I mean, he's just a very instinctive, fast, powerful player. And shame on you. Because today we have brought up Mo Roberts and Julius Rucker, two fictional Madden <laughs> franchise players. I thought I was out the game, but now I'm getting yeah. the shakes a little bit. Now I'm getting the shakes. Listen, can I get, can I get back in it? Oh, oh yeah. One more <laughs> L on the way out. One more L on the way out. Yeah. That's good stuff. Yeah. About Cam hey. Newton. Forgot, uh, that was called blind faith. What can I it say? It was good. It was good though. It was a good it was a good rant though. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.